With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not talking about the broad economy, but what about you? How is your personal economy tonight? You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner. 1.1 million Americans filed new claims for state unemployment benefits last week. Why do we care? It's moving in the wrong direction. Nobody expected it. Very unexpected rise. Joining me tonight, Andy Schaefer, a charter financial consultant at Allworth. You know, Andy, we, we talk about these numbers every week, but I think to the average person, it's like, I, I don't know, who, who cares? They're just numbers. But here's the thing. They're just numbers until it happens to you, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I, you know, I always say to my wife, I was like, I don't even know what a kilogram is. You know, how much does that weigh? You know, so like one million uh, you know, jobs being lost. Who, who knows what that number means and in what respect? You know, before the pandemic, just to put it in perspective for you, the weekly average claims was around 220,000. So, you know, getting 1.1 million claims um, is significant. And five and especially times what we were seeing before this pandemic started, right? Exactly. And, yeah. and the problem is, is that we started to get under that $1 million mark or 1, $1 million, million jobs yeah. mark. Yeah. So this going the other direction um, is a little alarming. And I think you can talk about it in numbers, but you can talk about it in stories and people at this point, because we all know someone who has been impacted. I have a friend who I've known for years and years and years, and I saw on Facebook yesterday, she said, you know what, I, I would rarely right turn to social media and, and ask this, but she said... I've been unemployed since January. Uh, and, wow. you know, and she said, I've always done freelance work, but I just, I, I need a real job with benefits. And she said, I can't even, as it, 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 diverse as her, her work experience has been, she said, I can't even get in the door for an interview. And this yeah, is someone who can do so many things. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you have to be adaptable. Um, you know, I have a number of clients that may have lost their jobs in their career of choice, um, but have found, work in other career paths. So um, there are opportunities out there. If you are willing to continue to educate yourself, maybe learn a different skill, um, that can be very beneficial for you in the job market um, to be hireable. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can look at these numbers and take something away from them for yourself. For instance, if you work in an industry like leisure, at a hotel, anything to do with travel, hospitality, right? Entertainment, booking events, restaurants. This is where the, the majority of the job losses are. This is this in, in, in many of these may not ever return. So as you dig into these numbers, maybe the takeaway for you is, OK, this is what I was always passionate about. This is what I went to school for. This is what I love. But it's not going to be there anymore. So what are the skills that I had in that job uh, that, that are transferable to something else where there might be more of a market for at this point? And, and I'm, even if you are still gainfully employed, I think this is a is an exercise that we all need to be doing because you just you just never know. Right. And I have a number of friends in the restaurant industry and some of them um, have lost their jobs. And what they found, and I think this is interesting, is. You know, when you're in the hospitality um, uh, career path, 
you can have a talent for sales and they now have sales jobs that doesn't really cost their employer much overhead and they can make a good living at it because you know you're out in front of people all the time in the hospitality industry and it was an easy um, transfer for them to get into a sales position and they're thriving right now so you know there's other things that you can do even if it's not in your career path because you do have talents that can translate to other industries and other career paths yeah, and I think that, you know, as you look at the federal government and what they're doing to help us here, you know, one idea that maybe has been thrown out by economists is kind of a work-sharing program, meaning, you know, they have four or five employees on the books that they can't they can't keep all of you on there, but you essentially kind of share the job. Each of you maybe goes in a day a week, and then you claim unemployment benefits for the days that you're, you're not able to work. I think we're going to see every kind of version of part-time to full-time to benefits to no benefits uh, that, that we've ever seen before. Yeah, and be, be sure that you're aware of how your state operates, right? So, you know, we're in the tri-state area with Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, um, and Ohio does have a work-sharing program. Indiana can, and Kentucky do not. So make sure you're aware of, you know, what the legislation is in your particular state so that you can navigate those types of work-sharing programs uh, the best that you can. You know, and another thing to think about when, when you look at the, these numbers, one of the things to take away is there are two particular groups of people who are struggling right now. And we've talked about them separately on the show a number of times. But, you know, maybe you think about those who are graduating from college right now. Man. In February, they were entering one of the best job job situations, job markets that we've had, not, not just in years, but in decades. Right? We hadn't seen anything like this in so long. A month later, many of the jobs were rescinded. Many of the internships were gone. You know, it, the, the, the job industry for them, the job market for them completely changed. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got older workers. You know, we, when you look at the unemployment rates, you know, for everyone, and then you look at them for older workers, uh, the unemployment rate for ages 55 plus is 9%. Just a year ago, that was 3%. So the younger workers and the older workers here are the ones who are trying to figure out what's next. Yeah, and I, I feel so bad for those kids that are just finishing up college that have their opportunities limited. Um, you know, it's, it's just a shame because, um, you know, they're eager to get on their way, start their careers, maybe begin fam having families and things like that. But I, I deal more particularly with the older workers, and I'm going sure. through that with my clients today. Um, you know, many of them um, have, have lost their jobs. Um, some of them are still have the threat of losing their jobs, and it can be very nerve wracking. And, you know, the concern that a lot of them have is, you know, I'm 60 years old. Um, it's going to be more difficult for me to find a career job that I currently enjoyed um, at the salary level that I already had. Um, a yeah. lot of them are taking pay cuts uh, for similar type of work in different industries. But once again, you have to be adaptable um, in order to meet your financial goals. In one trend that we're seeing during this time is many of you saying, you know, maybe I'm looking at my retirement savings and I haven't saved enough. Or maybe when I saw that deep dive of the markets in March, I realized, like, I don't want to take a chance. So my plan for retirement is going to be I'm just going to keep working. And we see people over and over again saying that well and good. But you have to understand many times this isn't something you can control. Right. And, and it's, it is good to have those options. You know, I have one client that works at L.L. Bean. Um, after his career ended, I have another one that works at Lowe's. Now, I want to I, I caution, um, 
you that are in the baby boom generation that is, is currently retiring, because what happens a lot of times is that your generation is very hardworking and disciplined. So you might only want to go in there and work part time. But before you know it, because you show up on time every day and do a, a good job, a good day's work, you end up becoming the boss. So <laughs> just be cautioned out there because you work hard that if you're only trying to get 20 hours in before you know it, you're going to get 40. That, you know what? That's a, such a great point. And I've heard this story time and time again from many of our clients. You know, you, you just maybe said, you know, I just, I want a job where I can phone it in, right? Like I yeah. like doing home improvement projects or whatever. I just want to show up and I want to help people in, in, in what ma what's management sees is, wait a second, right? They're yeah. always here on time and they're such hard workers and, you know, we need to promote you. And then all of a sudden you're managing people again, maybe not making as much job. as you were before. Exactly. So that's a, that's a, an excellent point. But I think, you know, maybe even during this time, people would take the opportunity to manage anyone at any place if they could find an opportunity out there. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you can do to prepare, prepare for the, um, you know, the, the possibility that you might lose your job is you want to make sure that you get to know what your benefits are, make sure that you understand what your, your personal time off rules are. Um, you can understand, you know, that your package is, is negotiable. You know, we've talked before, Amy, about, you know, ask for everything, ask for the world, you know, yeah. the, the worst they can say is no, if you get let go. And also make sure that you have a plan for your health insurance, whether it's Cobra or a marketplace plan um, to make sure that you're prepared um, you know, for the possibility that you can lose your job. You want to make sure that you put yourself in the best position if the worst case scenario does occur. And you talk about that worst case scenario, Andy. Something to think about too is you can think about it now, but when it happens, what you're not taking into account is how emotional you really could mm -hmm. feel, right? Whether you've yeah, been in a right. job for two years or 25, it, there is an emotional component to this that I don't think anyone can overlook. So as we talk about, you know, knowing your benefits and, and having a plan, the reason why that's so important in advance is because you're going to be then operating in a place where you are heartbroken and emotional and sad and angry and a thousand other things, but you're also going to need to make decisions that don't hurt you financially for the long run. And so surrounding yourself by someone that you can trust, you know, certified financial planner, charter financialist, whatever that is, uh, and making sure that you have some things in place before make it so much easier for you to process the feelings and the decisions that you're going to have to make at the same time. Yeah. And I, I've gone through it many times with clients to where the first um, thing that we talk about are the emotions that are involved in it. And that's a piece of it, you know, and you want to work through that. But it is very important that you you're do an advisor and a steps. therapist, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little of everything, jack of all trades. But you also want to make sure that you create an income plan. You know, how, how am I going to supplement the income that I once had? And how am I going to manage those distributions from uh, my IRAs or my taxable accounts or whatever it may be? And it's very important to revisit your budget as well. You know, how much are you spending on a monthly basis? What does that look like? Um, and that's, that's very important. And at the end of the day, you know, having those, uh, that understanding of those specific numbers, it will help you to realize you're going to be okay. You know, and with the help of your financial advisor and working as a team, it's going to work out and you're going to be just fine. Simply Money Point, you can make it a goal to retire on your own terms, but you have to have a plan in case the day comes when you're, you're told it's time and it's much earlier than you expected. Well, the majority of Americans, can you believe this, agree on one both an economic and political issue. We're in agreement. Can you even begin to guess what it is? I'll tell you what it is. That's ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station.
You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner. How can you make a budget? How can you talk about the dreaded B word in a time when maybe your income has been cut? We'll give you some ideas on how you can tackle that. That's ahead at 643. What is the number one thing on your mind as we head toward a presidential election? And if I told you that more than half of Americans agreed with you, regardless of their political party, of their background, doesn't matter, you might be surprised. But more than half of Americans say the number one thing you're worried about going into this election is protecting Social Security. Number one answer when asked what your priority is for the 2020 election. Joining me tonight, Andy Schaefer, Charter Financial Consultants at Allworth. You know, it's 2020, Andy, and there's it's been an interesting year. And one of the things that surprises me is that more than half of Americans can agree on anything. But here we are, Social Security. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you're in your 50s or 60s, I think you're going to be okay. Uh, Social Security um, is targeted to be unfunded in the year 2035. And what that means is um, not that there's going to continue to be money poured into Social Security from our paychecks, but that uh, the endowment is essentially going to be depleted. So most uh, uh, representatives, Congress, uh, congressmen and women and, and senators, they're not going to touch that mostly until probably that, that time. So if you're in your 50s or 60s, there can be some means testing, maybe some additional taxes, but I don't think your Social Security is going to be d- diminished. For you and I, Amy, there's a possibility that it could. Yeah. Understand this. If you're if you're one of those more than half who are saying, yeah, I'm actually really interested in Social Security. This is, however, a political hot potato. And so while many of us agree this needs to be addressed, the people in office don't want to address it because some of the decisions are going to be hard ones and they're going to cost some of us more than others. And as a result of that, we'll see maybe when they actually get around to addressing it. But I think it, it speaks to the fact that this is so important to so many of us. Number one, because the next closest thing you're concerned about health care, about minimum wage and the health gap all had less than 30% of the votes, right? All very important things to many of us, yet uh, falling way behind where you feel about protecting that Social Security benefit. And, of course, it's something that we will always talk about on the show, keep you posted uh, as, uh, you know, Congress tackles this. But, you know, I wouldn't expect that tackling to be any time soon. Every week we take a deep dive into one part of our economy, investing, retirement planning. And tonight we're taking a closer look at something that's likely in your four. 1k and that is a target date fund and you see these all the time yeah when my clients come in uh, you know i'll review their 401k plans and, and make recommendations for them and and most 401k plans or 403bs or, re, or other retirement plans often will have the option of a target date fund um, and what a target date fund is or a lifestyle fund it's essentially a mutual fund that becomes more conservative as you age so it might have a specific date like 2035, for instance. And as you near that date, that fund will um, automatically start to be more conservative uh, so that while you retire, you're at less risk of market downturns. And I think that's something really worth thinking about because, you know, you may be filling out this paperwork for your 401k on the same day when you're doing a thousand other forms for HR. Maybe it's the day that you're getting hired. And so you're looking at all these options, small caps, large caps, emerging markets, whatever it is. And you're thinking, Wait a second, how the heck am I supposed to know? <laughs> then you come across something on the list that says target date fund. You know, it, it's a it's a fund that looks like, OK, if I'm planning on retiring, that's my target around the year 2040 then I'm going to go ahead and just put in this fund. 
And it is convenient, I think, for a number of reasons, for a number of people. The problem is, uh, you know, putting all of your, your assets into that one fund can be a huge problem because it's, it's a very one-size-fits-all sort of a situation. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, when I see clients come in that, ha- that are invested in them, I don't immediately tell them to move their money out of, but we will have a specific conversation about them because it might not meet your goals. You know, let's say, for instance, you're nearing retirement. Um, and you still need to generate a certain amount of returns to meet your income needs. Well, if all of your money is in bonds, um, you know, those needs not, might not be met. The other thing you want to consider with those target date funds is they're what we call a fund of funds. There's a number of mutual funds that's a part of those target date funds. So your fees can be be higher than your average mutual fund that can hurt your overall returns. Um, you know, and sub- subconsciously, sometimes investors will naturally gravitate to those years that end in zero. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to retire in that date. It's just a nice round hole number. And you may not even realize that you're gravitating towards that particular date. So a lot of those things can hinder your ultimate goals uh, for your retirement. So you want to be very careful. Yeah, and you, you talk about that zero bias. I think that's so interesting, right? So research has been done that Americans, like we tend to go for something that's a nice round number, 2030, 2040. So understand this, uh, with that in mind, the people who are in charge of these funds are making it more and more conservative every year. But if it's not exactly the year when you're retiring, it may be, be getting conservative way too early for you. And you may think, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, I can change the date whenever, but you your risk tolerance and your goals uh, could be way off. And, you know, Andy, these these make me laugh when I think about you particularly because your risk tolerance uh, and mine, <laughs> quite honestly, yes. may be higher than most, right? We're in our 40s. We have some time. Uh, you know, target date fund with, you know, 20%, 30%, whatever it would be in bonds wouldn't be where you would find me or Andy. Yeah, I, you know, I'm 100% in stocks and they're aggressive stocks and I'm pedal to the metal. You know, let's let's go. But I'm willing to accept the ups and downs to be able to meet my goals. But the other thing is, is that, you know, when I do near retirement, 25 or 30 years from now, whatever it may be, I still want to have a majority of my assets in stocks. Um, you know, most of my clients um, have a majority of their assets in stocks, too, even if they're retired. You know, you know, the, the minority are in primarily bonds and there's very few that are in 80 percent bonds at this point. So, you know, just because you're retired doesn't mean that you still shouldn't have uh, some investing to meet your long term goals because your retirement is going to be longer with, you know, with health care and the longevity of our livelihoods. Now you want to meet a lot of different goals in retirement. So it, it's different for everybody, but you want to be sure that you talk with your financial advisor and ask them to help you with your allocation to go over those different options so it does meet your goals. If there's a kind of a bell going off in the back of your head right now and you're thinking, wait a second, this sounds somewhat familiar. Maybe when I filled out my paperwork five, 10, whatever years ago, this this is what I put my 401k in. And every year when I get the emails from HR, I don't really change anything. You may want to go back and look at what you're invested in. Right? You, you, you've likely changed what your, what your risk tolerance is, what your goals are. And so you want to make sure that you've got your investments in something that's really in 
in line with you and, and you personally. And that might mean maybe you take it into, you know, find an advisor, someone that you can trust and say, does this work for me? In some cases it might. In some cases it won't. You might need something more personalized. Ben- Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Better now to figure that out than after you've had something invested for 10 years and you realize you've paid a ton of money in fees um, and it hasn't really served your needs as well as maybe something else more personalized could. Here's your Simply Money point. A one-size-fits-all approach, it may not match what is your unique risks and needs when it comes to retirement. Make sure you're looking into that. Um, So long-term care insurance, right? What does it actually cover? And how are things different now that we've gone through this pandemic when you're thinking about long-term care? We're going to tackle that ahead at 634. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner. During this pandemic, so much has changed. One of them might be how you're thinking about and planning for long-term care. Joining us tonight, Britt Riley, certified financial planner on the Allworth team. Um, also kind of an insurance expert going back to his roots. Uh, you know, Britt, everything, I think it's safe to say, has changed during this time. But when you look at what has happened specifically in nursing homes, right? The levels of uh, people who have tested positive, of, of loved ones who have been lost, the fact that they haven't even been able to necessarily see loved ones who are in these facilities, I think has kind of brought a wake-up call to some people about, hey, I, I don't ever want to end up there. Shows some of the extreme isolation that can occur when you're placed into a full institutional care situation as an older person. Um, and so, you know, it is very scary to look at what's occurred in these densely crowded, you know, situations where people are older and have a lot more chronic health conditions and therefore become a lot more susceptible to things like what's occurred with COVID-19. Now, the care industry as a whole has been migrating towards trying to provide care within a home environment 
for more than a decade, very, very, you know, rapidly moving people towards that own home. Because care to be system. fair, right, even before COVID-19 hit, it wasn't like people were meeting with you saying, you know what, I really want to end up in a nursing yeah. home someday. Right? I mean, nobody has really ever felt like that about these skilled care facilities. At the same time, I think maybe people are even more averse to them now than they might have been before. Certainly, and you're you're seeing that obviously play out as we see through the news with places that have had extreme issues with COVID, um, advancing mortality, um, especially in that environment. So um, it's interesting as you start to look at what kind of care can be provided within the home. Um, Obviously, then you have to find a service that will bring people into your home and really now there has been an explosion of those kinds of services across the nation really driving down the number of people that have needed to become confined into an institution. Um, And I think we'll continue to see that be a priority in advancing care solutions in the home as we deal with the impact and long-term consequences of COVID. You know, Britt, you, you deal with clients all the time. What does this conversation, how does it play out with, with people who, you know, maybe they're turning 50 and you're starting to have that conversation about planning for long-term care? How is that conversation playing out now? Well, it's interesting because what's occurred with both rising care costs as well as uh, 10-plus years of very, very, very low interest rates have really impacted the long-term care industry tremendously. Mm -hmm. It's made the money that they've set aside to pay future claims a lot less valuable in terms of its potential for future growth. And it's put them into a kind of a financial bind. And because of that, we're seeing pricing on new policies is tremendously more expensive than it was even five years ago. So if it's cost prohibitive, uh, Britt Riley, as we're talking to uh, you, Certified Financial Planner at Allworth Financial, about the fact that during this pandemic, the conversations about long-term care planning have changed. Uh, You know, if you look at the fact that, you know, maybe buying an insurance policy and paying those premiums might be cost prohibitive, what are other options? So, unfortunately, there's not a ton of great options other yeah. than looking at your own ability through, you know, really where it comes back to is what we always say, which is refer back to your individual financial plan, because you're going to have to look at a combination of factors. I'm not saying that insurance may not be a part of your long-term solution, but in today's cost environment, your ability to insure your way out of a extended care event is pretty limited. Um, you know, it, with the insurance that you can buy and afford in today's world will get you through a, a typical cost of, you know, a typical extended care situation of two to three years. Um, if you're in that unlucky, you know, few, roughly 10 to 15 percent of people that go through the care system will go much longer than three years. There's not a lot of great opportunities for you to hedge against that cost. It's um, you just then have to then deal with what's the impact on your legacy and, and how do you address these with your family? 
So is the answer, you know, from a standing, uh, a planning standpoint when you're talking to clients, just that you have to start thinking about this maybe so much earlier than you would have otherwise? A 50-year-old to start looking at this problem has a lot more opportunities for long-term planning than starting to look at this at 65. Uh, costs have become so prohibitive that uh, most long-term care solutions are really priced out of the marketplace for people in their 60s. Um, so looking at it in your, in your 50s, starting to discuss this and looking both what insurance does versus what dedicating a portion of your assets can do to hedge against this cost, examining this issue through a financial plan will at least give you what are my potentials and how do I best address this if I have to go through it myself. So if you have found yourself at any time during this pandemic looking at uh, either loved ones in, in these skilled care facilities or reading headlines about you know, just the tragedy that's happened in, in them, thinking, I don't ever want to end up in one of these facilities, the answer is that you have to plan and plan early. And joining us tonight with some great perspective on that, Brett Riley from the Allworth team, um, making sure that you're thinking ahead about what could be a, a very real situation for many of us. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55. KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner. You know, during this time when you're stuck at home, maybe you're looking at all the stuff in your closets and your garage and your basement. And you're thinking, I should just get rid of some of this. Well, you got some options now. You've got Facebook. You've got Craigslist. You've got eBay. Which one makes the most sense? We'll break it down for you. That's ahead in 10 minutes. Well, no matter who you are, you are probably feeling a little bit of like uncertainty right now about your money. Whether you have a job, whether you don't have a job, whether you're furloughed and not sure whether you're coming back. And we, we want to talk about, and we understand it's the B word, the budget, uh, because we know that it's not something that you love. But it's, it's hard enough to do in good times, but it is really hard to do when you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills and money isn't coming in. We're going to tell you, talk about maybe ways that you can find uh, some ways to put money aside even now. Joining me tonight, Andy Schaefer, Charter Financial consultant at Allworth. Nobody likes to talk about budgeting. You and I are not the spreadsheet budget kind of people, yet we make sure that we get everything covered. Amy, I hate budgeting and I'm a financial <laughs> advisor. You know, yeah. Because no, Full disclosure. Nobody, really, yeah, nobody really wants to put restrictions on themselves about what they can spend their money on and what they can't. And that's usually one of the hardest um, uh, exercises to go through with my clients is just Really, what are you spending? You know, because it's it is kind of revealing about yourself. You know, I I tend to go through my credit card statement. I put most of my spending on my credit card and pay it off every month. But what I'll do is I'll go every month and go through that and say, okay, where is my money going on a monthly basis? How much am I spending over a six month span um, each month? And what does it look like? And what I found during this particular pandemic is. Boy, Kroger is getting a lot of my money right now. They are, right? And, and I think it's interesting because you, you're right, Andy. If you just were to look at your statement, top to bottom, every month, make a commitment to do that. Nobody nobody thinks it's fun. What you'll see, though, are some trends. And they may be things that you're proud of, like, uh, you know, we're putting money towards something that's really important to us. Maybe it's spending time together as a family. And so you see charges for, you know, things that you're doing together with your family on there. And you're like, okay, that's 
something I'm passionate about. But you might also see, wait a second, like we're hemorrhaging money on eating out. We're hemorrhaging money on, you know, clothes, whatever it is. And you're like, wait, that's not the most important thing. I didn't to need us. that Kit Kat and the Slim Jim and the in the line exactly. of the grocery store. You yeah. know? And wait a second, they every time I go to the those. grocery store, it's five bucks extra because I go in. Like, yeah. what the heck? Like all I have to show uh, for that is extra pounds. Like I'm a sucker for good marketing. <laughs> All the signs at the pumps and on the doors are going to suck you That's in right. every time, right, Andy? And yep. I think that during this time, you know, maybe if if you still have a paycheck, maybe it's that you counted on a bonus and the bonus isn't coming this year. Whatever it is, the first thing that you have to look at is what you spend money on. And it could be as simple as looking at your credit card statement, and it could be simple, maybe more complicated though. It might be writing down where is all the money going every month because maybe you have less of it to cover the things that you had before. Not not a comfortable place to be, but it could be reality. Yeah, and there's ways that you can accomplish these types of goals. You know, the, the old standard is the the 50 30 20 rule where, you know, your after-tax dollars, you know, 50% of that those dollars should go towards uh, your basic living expenses. Uh, 30% of those dollars go to your fun items, your entertainment, uh, things that you would like to do, whether it's traveling or eating out or whatever it may be, and putting another 20% away and, and put those in your savings and checking account. But it's also important that you build up your emergency fund first, right, Amy? I mean, we've always talked about three to six months of living expenses. We hammer it away, and a lot of people probably roll their eyes and say, why do I need that? But Everybody realizes today that during this pandemic, having those types of emergency funds, this is the type of environment where that comes in real handy. So make sure you put your emergency fund um, together first. And then a good rule of thumb is the 30 or the 50, 30, 20 rule. I think that's a good place to start. Well, and I think, too, what has happened during this time, maybe a side benefit that no one was expected, is we realize maybe what is the most important things to us. You put your money where your mouth is. Uh, and so during this time, maybe, you know, you might, you know, you love to travel, but when you can't travel and you can't spend on all the things that you did before, like when you have to get down to what you really need. I think you learn a lot about yourself. Uh, and there are some things that maybe, uh, you know, I have one of my best friends, actually, has said, you know what, during this time, she and her husband have committed to putting her entire paycheck away mm -hmm. for the year because they saw that many of the things that they were spending on weren't necessary. So they're able right. to still live kind of an adjusted version of what they were doing before. But I've seen her make adjustments in how many times they go out to eat, you know, the kinds of birthday presents. She's having these conversations with everyone around her saying, hey, if you if you notice differences, there's a reason for that. It's because we are, you know, very intentionally trying to spend less. I think we can all kind of learn during this time where the needs are. And so if there's less money coming in, maybe you've also realized that you also need less money going out. Well, and there's also an opportunity for you during a period of time to, to find the areas where you're spending less money. So, for instance, if you're not spending as much money on gas and travel um, or eating out, maybe you can take this opportunity to start putting that money away and getting good habits about you know putting those dollars away so that you are generating that 20% of savings. And you know once we come out of this and those opportunities start to arise again, you can make adjustments. But it's likely once you're in those habits, you will stay in those habits.
Very true. But I think Nathan's always said once you do something for like 60 days or 90 days or whatever, it becomes habit and then you just carry it out. So, you know, there have been a lot of tough times during this, but I think there have also been some good lessons that we've learned that when we come out of this, you know, we can take with us as far as what we need to spend. The Simply Money point, you know, as you settle into what has become our new normal, revisiting your budget, finding ways where you can take money, set it aside in that emergency fund, put money into a 401k IRA, whatever you can do to save, it might be a little bit easier now. Uh, when you sell some old stuff, the stuff that you've got laying around your house, where do you go? Facebook, eBay, Craigslist? We're going to talk about that ahead of three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money tonight. I'm Amy Wagner. During this pandemic, you know, we've all had a little more time at home. And I can tell you personally, the messes in the closets, in the basement, in the garage, getting on my nerves way more than they ever would before. And during this time, I have cleaned out. And if maybe you have too, and you realize, wait, some of the stuff I don't want to throw away. I don't want to donate it. It's it's worth something. Where would I turn, though, to sell it? Well, you've got Craigslist. You've got eBay. Now, Facebook Marketplace. Uh, you know, what you need to know about buying and selling on these platforms safely, we're going to tackle that. Helping us tackle that, Andy Schaefer, Charter Financial Consultant at Allworth. Andy, you're more of a, a donator, than a seller? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, the way that my wife Kendra and I go about it is, you know, if, if we want to buy something, we typically want to get rid of something as well. One you know, in, clothes, one out. I like it. That's right. So, you know, my wife, she, she likes a lot of things and I'm more of a, a kind of a neat particular guy. Um, so we try if to have you've an ever walked into all offices, <laughs> like Andy's office is right off of the lobby for a reason. He is without a doubt the most OCD cleanly, tidy, organized person out of the whole bunch of us. I, I prefer the word particular, but sure. um, whatever you want to call it. But, but we, but anyway, when we put, you know, we put together a lot of things that we don't use anymore and I make regular runs to Goodwill. So I don't really use Craigslist or eBay or Facebook marketplace, but I do understand how they work a little bit. How do, how do you approach it? Well, I, I'm a donator too. I don't know that I've ever, I've, I think I've sold several years ago on Craigslist, um, some things in our basement that were larger items. Um, and, and I, you know, had someone else actually be there for the point of, you know, uh, trade because, you know, I didn't want to mm -hmm. be there by myself, but I think it's important sure. to know the differences between these. So Facebook and Craigslist, um, mm -hmm. there, there's no fees here. And I think that's maybe a, a great benefit of those. eBay is going to take 10% of your total t transaction. Uh, and then there's, of course, if you're going to use PayPal on eBay, there's going to be an additional fee for that. So you, you're going to take a fair whack off of the price of what you're getting, you know, but you have to understand too, what is your audience? If what you're selling is something that is very niche, right? And, and maybe people around here wouldn't get it, you know, you might want to put it on eBay. You know, you might want to see if being able to have, you know, a much larger audience is going to get a bigger draw for whatever you're trying to sell. Yeah. And I know a lot of communities with social media now have their own community pages, you yeah. know, and a lot of times, you know, I live in Northside. And there's a, a Northside page on Facebook to where people all the time will say, hey, you know, I have this old table that I can't use anymore. I'm willing to get rid of it for 25 bucks or whatever it may be. And that can be a great, great way to also sell your goods for people in your local community where you can kind of help them out as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Now, you do want to be careful if you are making hand to hand exchanges. 
um, you might want to bring somebody else as well. So be very specific about who you're trading with, where you're doing the exchange and that entire approach, because we certainly don't want you to get in a, a predicament that you can't get out of. Yeah, I understand this, too, because I think the Facebook marketplace is, is relatively new, right? Just a few years old. It's run by volunteer administrators. So you've got an issue with this. There's no recourse. Facebook isn't going to step in and, and take your side over the other person's side in any of this. So if you've got a problem or an issue, there's likely nothing that can be done. Buyers aren't always going to be reliable. Maybe they don't show up or they're going to change their mind. eBay does offer you some more protections. That's what you're paying that 10% fee for. Then if you're trying to figure out, is this something that there's even kind of a market floor? What sells best on Facebook? Popular goods, anything that's bulky or, or breakable? Kid stuff, of course. Right. Yeah. And you also want to make sure that you have the ability to pay for those goods with uh, a safe way to do it. You know, I use Venmo all the time. I love yeah, Venmo. Too. And, you know, I exchange money with my friends via Venmo all the time. So make sure whatever the the, the medium is for the exchange of, of, of the goods for the cash, that's safe and secure as well. You know, and if you've got something very specific, like one of our producers, Ricky, is trying to sell a live adults clown triggerfish, uh, <laughs> he realized that, you know, Facebook Marketplace wasn't for him. He actually found the Cincinnati Aquarium Group. You might have to do a little research to find a new home for your old treasure. Um, but in a lot of cases, you can make some extra cash in the long term. Uh, you know, we're always here with the best advice on how to sell your clownfish and whatever else it is. <laughs> you've been listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We are the talk station okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.